0: God. All right. Now, let me do some table setting because I'm grateful, I'm excited because technically I can say this is going to be a series because I'll be with you next Sunday. So if you take notes, I highly encourage you to do that because as always, I'm on assignment. All right? So what I'm going to be sharing is something that um, will be very important. I have a word from the Lord, at least you better hope so, right? It's not from somebody else. I didn't make it up. The Holy Spirit speaks to me in that way, and, you know, I write down what He tells me to to, to do, and then I get confirmation from other sources and things. So it's really awesome how God works when you know you have a word for your congregation, right? And other people confirm it on things you're listening to and watching and whatnot. You know that's God. Amen? Amen. So, before I give you the title, you know, the Lord wants me to set the table first. So Let me just be clear for a second. So over in Ephesians, again, if you take notes, I highly encourage you to do that. This is one of those messages. So Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 and 12, this is not the message, I'm just setting the table. We know this very well. It talks about what we call the five-fold ministry, right? It talks about, it said, he gave some to be apostles, right? Some prophets, some evangelists, right? Some pastors and some teachers, right? So just to clarify, right, I'm a teacher, amen? So and to what teachers do is that they interpret the Word of God, right? That's a gifting, it's something that the Lord has blessed teachers with. So, my role is really to interpret what the Word of God has to say. Well, what's it say next in that Scripture? It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Right? So, I'm not saying the things I'm going to say to you, hence why I'm saying take notes, because it's not just for you to get your ears tickled. It's for you to go out and do the work of the Lord. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Y'all okay? So it's really important to recognize that this is not just a message, and you're getting fed, and I'll cover that in the message in a minute. It's not what it's about. It's about equipping you so that you can go out and do the work of the ministry. Y'all with me? Can I get a a hand raised? Amen. Okay, just so we're clear. So my intentionality today is really about equipping. So let me set some foundation before we get into the title. This is a two-part series, right, so it's two parts. Next Sunday we're going to cover some other content related to this. So, really pay attention. Open your hearts and your ears this morning, okay, because I have a word for you, and some of the word might be strong, okay? But it's about equipping. It's not to make you feel good, but to be clear, it's not condemnation either, because that's not God either. Amen? Conviction is, just to be clear, but nonetheless, I just want you to open your hearts and be receptive to what I want to share this morning, okay. So here we go. Here's some table setting. So. Let's go over real quick to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We know this scripture very well. We can often say, this is what we call the salvation scriptures, what we often use when we're bringing somebody to the knowledge of the Lord as their Savior, right? And we know what it says. If you confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, the phrase there, if you believe in your heart, say, believe in your heart. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... You shall be saved. Somebody say salvation. How many of you all believe in salvation? Let me say it one more time. How many of you actually believe in salvation? Okay, all right, we'll see. Stick with me. So let's go over to, to Luke. So, salvation it says, with the heart one believes. Remember that statement. It says, believe in your heart. So, Luke chapter 8, verses 49 and 50. It says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead, do not trouble the teacher, right? But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe. Say only believe. Only believe and she will be made well. That's interesting because there's two different options there, right? It says, do not be afraid, only believe, meaning if you're afraid, you can't believe. Tuck that away for somebody. So, someone say healing. Healing. How many of you all believe in healing? Amen? So, so far we got, we believe in salvation and we believe in healing. Right? On my count. Okay? It's not complicated. Just making sure we're on the same page. Okay. Let's turn our Bible over to another part of the Gospels. Let's go over to Mark chapter 9. Two portions of Scripture here that I want to read. Mark chapter 9. Verse 23. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, say believe, believe, all things, it doesn't say some things. It says all, and y'all know I like to joke with y'all and say the Greek word for all is what? All. It's all. It's not complicated. It says you can believe all things are possible to him who does what? Believe. Him who believes, meaning if you're not believing. All things are impossible. possible. Again, I'm interpreting the Word of God for you this morning. Y'all see that? Okay, so everyone say, impossibilities. So we have salvation that you all said you believe, right? We have healing that you said you believe, and we said we have impossibilities. Let's go down to Mark 11:23. There's some more there, and it says, for surely I say to you, y'all know this Scripture. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, right? And be cast into the sea, and does not do what? Doubt in his heart, but believes," say, but believes, that those things he says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Notice what it says, "...and does not doubt in his heart, his heart but believes," meaning doubt is a precursor to unbelief, right? So, in other words, you can't do both. It's saying, if you don't doubt, but believe, then this happens. Y'all see that? Okay. So with that being said, again, that's impossibilities. One more scripture, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes. We're just getting ready. Okay. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 and 22. Great. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, there's that word doubt again, y'all notice that? You will not only do what, you, what was done to this fig tree, so y'all know the, what happened with the fig tree, right? <clears throat> but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast to the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, say believing, believe. you will receive. Somebody say needs. How many of y'all believe that God will meet your needs? Anybody else? Give you another opportunity. That God will meet your needs. It says that God will supply what? How many of my needs? All my needs according to what? His or my riches? His riches and glory. Amen. So, if by my count, we have, we agree and believe in salvation, do we not? Amen. We have healing. We're in agreement, right? Okay. We have impossibilities, right? And then we have needs, and we all, at least from what I can tell, in this house at Covenant Life Church, believe that all those things we possess and we believe in those things. Amen? Okay. Now, you might not see this yet, but if you've heard me at any point in time teach, you know there's a plot twist. And you know, I'm trying to get you to see something, that on the one hand, that we say that we believe as a body of believers— but do we really? Okay? Because what I'm trying to do this morning is equip. Again, not tickle ears, but to make sure that we are really in agreement with what the Word of God tells us so that we can have the things that are at our disposal, that God has equipped us fully to do the work of the ministry. Again, we read Ephesians chapter 4. Now, why am I saying these things? Why am I saying, well, salvation, amen, I believe that, Brother Kevin. Right? impossibilities healing, and needs. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see, and this is not the title of the message yet, but many of these things speak to what I call the necessity of understanding relationship. And here's what I want to—let me do another kind of litmus test. Y'all know with the advent of technology, as we've become more progressive in technology, we've seen a lot of wonderful things, right? You can just tell your phone what to do. You can tell Alexa to, you know, tell you that your power's on. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, shabbata (laughs) hobbata. But with that being said, we know technology can be a blessing, and it's meant to be that. In other words, you know, it can be perverted as well, but we like technology, so. But how many of you all know that with what comes with technology, right, comes other issues? Right? How many of y'all been the, the subject of a potential scam, for example? Anybody? Anybody try to take your identity? Let me get that mother's maiden name and your uh, first grade teacher's name and uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Just me. Okay. Right? The Nigerian prince. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay? Stick with me. I'm going somewhere. If someone that you did not know were to say to you that they wanted to bequeath, that's the word they like to use, right? I'm going to bequeath. $3 million to you, all right? You don't know them, though. You don't know them. You have no relationship. I want some honesty. Can I get some honesty in this house this morning? Well, you you promise? You promise? Yes? Amen? All right, don't be playing with me. We got the altar ministry at the end. Like, I need some honesty this morning. Amen? Okay, I trust y'all. I've been with y'all for a long time. Amen. All right, I trust you. I believe you. Okay. So, if somebody you didn't know right, said, I bequeath three million dollars to you, Richard, right? Raise your hand. How many of you all would believe that? Crickets. Okay. Let's say that same person that you don't have relationship with says, okay, here's a briefcase with three million dollars. And I'm gonna, I want to bequeath you $3 million. You don't know this person. You don't have a relationship with them, but you see the $3 million. By a show of hands, there's no wrong answer here, by the way, I'm not—okay, Now I'm setting you up, but not the way you think. How many of you all then would believe them if you saw that money? Raise your hand high. I, I want to I get an idea of how many people would say, oh, okay, you don't know me, okay, roughly seven people okay interesting all right now let's say you know pastor kevin dr kevin kev i go by a lot of different things to a lot of different people but let's say that i said me personally without showing you but that i would give you three million dollars i felt led to bequeath three million dollars to you how many of you all would believe that Well, a show of hands A whole lot of people. Okay. Now, how many of you all would believe it then if I personally, the same Kevin that you know, with relationship, I showed you the $3 million and said I felt led to give it to you? How many of you all would believe that? Interesting. Now, here's where I'm going with this, because you're like, okay, Kev, where are you going with this? Now, I want you to repeat after me. Say, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it. When I see it. Thank you. Now, how many of you all know that your real and imagined experiences with people will dictate your future expectations for them? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again. Your real and imagined experiences with people will dictate your future expectations for them, right? Now, we said, I'll believe it when I see it, and yet, our real and imagined experiences with people will dictate my future experiences with them. But how many of y'all know, and here's where we get to the punchline, that we do the same thing with Jesus? We do the exact same with the Lord, the same Lord that we believe, the same Lord that died for our sins, the same Lord who gave us everything that we need by his grace. We do the exact same thing. So what I'm saying is that the world, right? What we would call today is Gentiles, non-believers, but the world operates on a, I believe it when I see it mentality. And many of us as believers do the same thing. So we operate and treat Jesus with a, I'll believe it, right? If you show it to me, but Jesus wants us as believers to believe it before we see it. Amen? Amen. So again, I didn't say it was wrong, but that's not the intent of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to believe His Word before we see things. Can I get an amen from somebody? Y'all okay? Okay. So, the title of this message, this is part one, okay, is Believing is Seeing. Does anybody hear me this morning? Believing is seeing Now, notice the opposite of that. See the world convinces us. In fact, many of us as believers who don't have a full understanding of our identity in Christ, right? Oftentimes view things as a, I'll see it when I believe it, but the Lord wants us to believe it first and believing is seeing. Is anybody with me? Okay, so this is part one of believing is seeing. Okay, let me, let me, let me break some things down for a second in order for you to understand what I mean by believing, you have to understand what faith is. Okay, so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about faith the next two weeks. But it's important for you to understand the difference in the similarity, okay? Now listen to me. Believing and faith both come from the same Greek word. Now many of you know, some of you know, That the New Testament was essentially translated in Greek, the Old Testament was translated in Hebrew, but Jesus and his disciples most likely spoke Aramaic. It's very interesting. (laughs) So the Greek word that we use for faith and believe are the same word, the word pistis. Understand what it means. It means to win over. It means confidence. It means assurance. It means to be persuaded, okay? Now watch this though. The word believe. In the Word of God, is used over 250 times in the New Testament, but the word faith's only used 244. That's still a lot, but believe is used more than faith. So what you saying? Are they the same? No, but yes. Here's what I'm saying. Believing is a verb. Faith is a noun. Faith is something God gives you as part of that package. It's supernatural, right? We have that human faith, which we'll get to. But we have the supernatural faith, and the faith I'm talking about is that. It's the faith that's also a gift, right? So what am I saying? I'm saying that you got to understand that believing is our part, faith and having it supernaturally is God's. God's not going to make you believe, but he gave you the faith to, right? So what am I saying? I'm saying that believing is putting faith into action. Let me say that again. It's simple. Believing is putting faith into action. Does anybody hear me this morning? Does that help anybody? Amen. That's important to understand. Okay? Believing is putting faith into action. Now, here's the the bulk of what I want to communicate this morning. All right? Now, we're going to talk about two types of faith so that you can understand the believing part. And I hope somebody gets a hold of this because we're going to pray about it at the end. So we're going to call one type of faith religious faith, okay? Religious faith. And we're going to call the other type of faith Bible faith. Amen? We're going to talk about religious faith, and we're going to talk about Bible faith. I can tell you right now, some of you are already clued in. How many of you know the world operates on what we call religious faith? And how many of you also know that well-intentioned non-believers who say, oh, you're real religious, they mean that you're pious, you go to church, you have a relationship with God. But how many of you all know that in a Christian circle, calling somebody religious is not a good thing? Right? Whitewashed tombs, right? You're holier than thou. Is anybody seeing this? So what I'm trying to say is that when we talk about religious faith, I can clue you in now. It's, I'll see it when I believe it. That's what I'm calling religious faith this morning. I'll see it when I believe it. Bible faith, on the other hand, we're not going to talk about, so you have to come back next Sunday. Amen. All right, now, my intent now that we've kind of set the table is to kind of break down a few examples from the Word of God of these types of faith, particularly religious faith, so that you can understand why so many of us struggle with believing, right? We talked about believing in salvation, y'all, amen, y'all shouted me down healing, impossibilities, and needs, right? Right. And yet, right, again, we're equipping, and yet so many of us in the body—I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm saying so many of us in the body of Christ still struggle with implementation of those concepts, right? So go go with me to John chapter 6, let me give you some examples. Here's where it gets good. John chapter 6, we're going to start out in verse 26 and go to verse 30. All right, here's what it says. So Jesus answered them and said, now, let me kind of set the stage for a second, and then we'll read this. But you can read it now if you'd like. Now, everybody knows the the miracle of the 5,000, right? Are we with me? Okay. Now, understand what happened in that context. This will kind of help you understand religious faith and why we don't need to do it, okay? Jesus had performed the miracle, right, loaves and the fishes, right? Walking on the water took place. Shortly thereafter, all of these people are following Jesus, right? They're like, where's Jesus at? So understand, that's simply the context here. So this is after that took place, okay? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Y'all see that? Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Then they said to Him, listen to that. Even in even when Him saying that to them, listen what they said to Him. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now listen. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. Hmm. See the wording. You believe in Him, whom He sent. Right. Therefore, they said to Him, listen to that. You believe in him whom he sent. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Are y'all seeing this? Is this not interesting to anybody else? Right? Jesus, (laughs) somebody hopefully get a hold of this. Jesus already performed Jesus—I'll come over here—Jesus already performed a miracle, right? And y'all know they had some big eaters, Jeremy. So, there's plenty of people, and they all were filled, right? How many grown men ate the loaves and the fishes? Talking about, I'm full, I don't eat anymore, I'm good. We already fed you, and yet you're asking still. He said, believe in him who sent me. And they said, okay, but uh, what are you going to do? after you did something already here's what I call that this is that's religious faith that's what I call I will believe you as long as you keep meeting my needs let me say that again that's what we call I will believe you as long as you keep meeting my needs y'all see that how many of y'all know that's a problem because how many of y'all know that God's already met your needs and yet, it's contingent upon you doing things for me. And then if you keep doing those things, Lord, then I'll believe you, right? They approached Jesus like he was a magician. Y'all notice that? Now what's that look like today? Well, there's a number of different options for that. Here's what we often see in the body of Christ, right? We often see that manifesting as follows. Oh, you know, they got a good word over there, a covenant, right? They have a good program over there. I like checking them out right now we're a generous church so i'm talking about believers so when you know when we talk about oh well they give out things for children and things we should do that that's the heart of the father but what i'm saying is if people are saying things like oh i go over there to covenant right it means i get fed from them but that's pretty much it how many of you all know that many of us Only seek Jesus when he meets our needs, but we're not interested in a relationship with him otherwise. That's a strong word, but it's truth. It's truth. Now, I say that to say that it's important to acknowledge and examine ourselves to say, am I operating in religious faith? As long as Jesus is meeting my needs, I'm good. But pursuit of a relationship with him, on the other hand, you're asking me too much now, Kev. Is anybody listening to me this morning? So it's important for us to acknowledge what are our motives here. He met your needs, right? He already met your needs. So let me challenge you. This is a radical idea, but if someone were to ask you a very simple question, right? where you go to church, rather than tell them, well, I go to such and such, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Why not say something like, well, I serve at da-da-da-da-da, or I'm involved in church at Covenant? Why? Because it opens the line of communication, and they want to ask you more questions. What am I doing in the body versus what am I getting? Y'all notice that? That's subtle, but I'm just wanting to challenge this. It's not wrong if you say you go here. We all say it. I'll say it. I say it, right? I'm just saying, what if this house was to change how we respond to people and say, well, I, again, I'm involved at covenant, right? I serve at covenant. What do you mean by serve? Then you have an open line of communication. Amen? Amen. So that's one example of religious faith. I'll believe you. As long as you keep meeting my needs. I want another example. You're good. All right. Let's go to John chapter 20. <laughs> Y'all know this guy. What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Okay. I'm gonna give you another word to use from this point forward. But yes, that's what we say. Here's what it says. Now, Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas called the twin. One of the 12. And I want you to really hear Spiritual, put your spiritual ears on this. Listen to this. He wasn't with them when Jesus came, so he appeared to right the disciples after the, you know once he res- he resurrected appeared to him, etc. Now he wasn't with them at the time, so Thomas didn't actually see this. So so watch this. He wasn't with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, "We've seen the Lord." Right now, watch what Thomas says. This is interesting. So he said to them, "Unless I see in his hands." The print of the nails, and put my—not yours—my finger into the print of the nails, and not yours, but put my hand into his side. And you could almost see Thomas do this. I will not believe. Is anybody seeing that? You seeing the tone, right? Unless I can do it myself and see it with my own eyes and put my finger on him and do my examination of the Word of God, I am not gonna believe it. I won't believe it, right? Now think about that in the natural, right? Truth or dare, nope, I'm not doing it, right? Or something that someone tells you to do and you say, I will not believe, right? What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. This is another example of religious faith and many of us succumb to this, unfortunately, and here's what I call that. I will only believe you if you show me yourself. I will only believe you if you show me yourself." This is quite literally unbelievable, that Thomas, who had relationship (laughs) with the Lord himself and the other disciples—I know some of y'all like The Chosen, right? Now, if you saw The Chosen, that puts some skin on some things. For me, I love it personally, but this really solidifies. I mean, you're walking around stinking, yeah, I said it, eating, right, seeing each other, you know, going through things, probably some tips and some battles, hugging it out. You have relationship with them, and you're saying you still won't believe that that you saw the Lord? You see that? Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that this is another example of religious faith. We have to check ourselves because there's two problems with this. Number one, it implies that familiarity can be a problem for some people in the body. Now, let me go ahead and say it, all right? You might have a relationship even with me or someone else that you know that it might be in ministry. But if you look at that with natural eyes, you're not going to believe or receive anything they have to say to you. Amen? We got to look with spiritual eyes, not naturalized, right? And that's very important. Here's the other thing I want to point out about this scripture as it relates to religious faith. It also, and this is huge, it also implies, right, that unbelief is a deliberate choice. Let me say that again. Unbelief is deliberate. It's a choice. You make the decision to engage in it. Is this making sense? So he's saying that if I'm, I'm going to unbelieve, I will not believe, meaning I have the ability to believe, but I'm choosing not to exercise it. How many of y'all know that we have the ability to believe some things God told us, but it's not God's fault if we don't do it? Amen? So that's another example and another issue that we face. We have to make the active decision and be deliberate to unbelieve. That's good news and bad news. It means you have a choice. What did I say earlier when we set the table? Faith, supernaturally, he gave it to us. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, right? Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. That's important, but he's not going to believe for you. We got to believe it, which believing is seeing, and we can't be like the world in that regard. Okay, I'm going to give you another scripture. Another type of religious faith. John chapter 4. So turn over to John chapter 4 verses 47 and 48. All right, here's what it says. When he heard <clears throat> that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, right? So his son was, was basically dead, and he said, I need him to be healed. Where he was at the point of death, then Jesus said to him, as the crowd's watching this, right? Jesus said to him, while people are listening, and he did it intentionally, obviously, because he's trying to illustrate a very important point about the kingdom. He said, unless you people... See, signs and wonders, right? And you will by no means believe. Y'all see that? Got the next part, if not, then here's what it says after that. It says, the nobleman said to him, there we go, sir, come down before my child dies. So even when Jesus said that, he still made this comment. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Now, here's what I call that type of religious faith in this regard. And granted, I want to be clear. Miracles serve a purpose. We'll get to that in a second. But this is what we call, I will believe you if you show me a miracle. Right? I will believe you if you show me a miracle. Now, to be clear... It's interesting when you look at the miracles that took place in the, in the Word of God, because miracles actually invo- involve cooperation from a person, right? You think about Elisha and the widow's oil. It required a person being obedient and doing something, didn't it? Right? Moses parting the Red Sea. It required obedience with someone doing something, y'all see that? So I'm saying that Jesus at the wedding at Cana with the wine, it required someone cooperating. Do y'all see that? So, I want to be clear. We're supposed to be performing signs, wonders, and miracles. But how many of you all know that the Lord prefers us, as it says in 3 John verse 2, that he prefers that we walk in health and prosper and not rely exclusively on miracles? But that requires something very important that we're going to address as we get ready to wrap up here in a minute, and that is understanding that much of what I'm talking about here is all about relationship. Amen? Now, so the million dollar question as we transition, because we're going to talk more about Bible faith next Sunday, is why do so many believers struggle with this religious faith? I mean, there's a short answer to that that most of y'all know by now, right? This, right? But let's look at what, let's let, let's let Scripture interpret Scripture, right? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're just going to go through it, but listen to the important words Paul's speaking here because he indicts us as to why we have this problem. Starting out in verse 9, going all the way through verse 16, we'll jump around a little bit. It's not taking out of context. We're just highlighting certain parts of it. But verse 9, which is a quote from Isaiah 64, it says, "...eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him." That's Old Testament. Paul says in verse 10, "...but God..." right? Has revealed them to us in our spirit, right? Go down to verse 12, and it says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been what? Freely given to us. And then it really says it, when we go to verse 14, it says that the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Why? He says it again. He said it in verse 10, and he said it in verse 12, because they are spiritually discerned. You are looking in the wrong place. Verse 16 says, who may know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them? And there's the good news. It says, but we, but we, but we have the mind of Christ. You have the same power, that rose Jesus from the dead, you have his spirit, you have his authority, you have his word, you are locked and loaded, you don't need anything else, because he already gave it to us. But if you're looking in the wrong place in the natural, and if you fail to realize—this is—get this point, here's what I'm saying—if you don't realize the limitations of your five senses and renew your mind to the limitations of the five senses— you're not going to fully believe. Anybody hear what I just said? If you limit yourself to the five senses and you don't renew your mind to the limitations of the five senses, Paul just told us you're looking in the wrong mirror. You have what you need. The key, what I said at the very beginning of this message church is equipping unlocking what the Word of God is saying to us so that you know not only what you already have at your disposal, but how to activate it. Amen? Amen. Now, as we get ready to close, you know, we're going to do some activating things. I want, like, what we're going to do is we're going to get uh, the altar ministry to come up, and, you know, I'll tell you why in a minute, because it's related to this, because I really feel in my spirit. I want people to come up for prayer for anything but particularly for what we're sharing right now. But let me, let me say this last point as we transition, all right? So the last point I want to make here is this. A faith problem is a believing problem, but a believing problem is a relationship problem. Let me say that one more time. A faith problem is a believing problem. But a believing problem is a relationship problem. Is anybody getting a hold of that word this morning? Right? We talked about the money earlier. We talked about showing you and who you had relationship with. So if you're struggling with a faith problem when you know that God gave it to you, and you're struggling with actively believing, then that implies that we have a relationship problem but it's a relationship problem that can be fixed instantaneously. Praise God. Amen.